Hello everybody, it's Mike Bedford and welcome to this, the latest episode of the Be Brilliant People podcast, where each uh, each each podcast I invite great leaders that are doing fantastic things in the in the people space tends to be usually focused around neurodiversity um, and and kind of challenges and opportunities in the space around neurodiversity, particularly in the workplace or around coaching conversations or on leadership. Yeah, and, and and like I say, I bring in great people that are doing great things in this space as well. So I'm I'm really pleased to uh, invite. Uh, Katie Mason um, along for this episode of the Be, Be Brilliant podcast. So hi, Katie. Hi, Mike. And I feel like going, whoo-hoo, we've, we've finally um, been given this fabulous opportunity to chat um, about a topic that's definitely close to my heart. So thank you. Yeah. No, you're very welcome. I know we've kind of, we've been looking to make this happen for a while now, haven't we, as well? But for the benefit of our listeners who have got absolutely no idea what we're talking about uh, and kind of why we're so excited to make make this happen, let's give them some context, shall we? Let's tell them, first of all, who you are, Katie, kind of who you are, what you do and why you're so excited about coming on this podcast today. Yeah, so uh, I'm Katie Mason and I have my own coaching business, Another Way Coaching and Training Solutions, and I have done for now over a decade um, why am I so excited about what I do? You know, I love to support and challenge individuals to tap into their hidden strengths and talents so that they can thrive and live that life of fulfillment. And, and I do that. And I work with um, a range of individuals, teams, leaders, executives um, to help them to get to know more about who they are and why they do what they do and connecting that. My key passion is uh, I left a corporate role over 10 years ago and noticed that there was definitely something that was in my heart to help more individuals step over their workplace doorsteps, feeling Mm. happier about going to that place of work because we spend so long at work, don't Mm. we? Mm. Mm. No, absolutely, absolutely. And obviously we've spoken um, for a while and I have a similar journey to yours in terms of working inside that corporate machine shall we call it for uh, for a long time as well and seeing some of the many challenges and opportunities particularly around your neurodiversity in Mm -hmm. in the workplace what do you think some of the things are that you've seen then um, now in your role as obviously having having a business and having stepped outside that what are your reflections in terms of some of those challenges and opportunities for people who perhaps don't fit into the kind of typical mold of 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 what a professional or or leader should be someone who thinks differently from everyone else yes it's an interesting question that because I'll take you back to how I felt when you know I was in the corporate world and you know did I feel that I was allowed to be authentically me Mm. and get the best um most of the time possibly yes however Mm. you know it depends who you're communicating with again I had certain leaders that you know I allowed myself to play small or maybe feel that had to be different to who I actually Mm. am Um, and um, again it's that kind of conversation of uh, you know are we have we all are we all on the spectrum in in our own kind of unique way and you know it really kind of troubled me when somebody was expecting me to be somebody different to who I wanted to be you know Mm. back in the corporate day I was probably seen as that pink and fluffy leader but got some Mm. good results through that kind of caring nurturing Mm. kind of approach one thing Mm. that always played on my mind Mike was so if this is me how do I be different and how can I, you know, challenge other people successfully without mm. kind of impacting somebody to the way that sometimes I felt? Um, mm. And that's when I actually found in 2012, as I was about to set my business up, a fabulous book called Challenging Coaching by the authors, uh, John Blakey, who's now Dr. John Blakey and Ian Day. And I thought I had a problem with potentially, you know, you start looking in then to, you know, where is the problem lying? Is it me that's got a problem with um, a certain kind of um, gender, male leaders at at that particular time? And and then I realised after reading John and Ian's content that, you know, they were guys who also were feeling the same way as I was feeling really about, you know, needing to actually 
be kind of bossier and, and challenge more. So, yeah, and, and and they taught me, they've taught me a lot about how to challenge with success, but there's always been this kind of nagging bit inside mm. of, you know, um, do I need to kind of know something and be different when it comes to neurodiverse mm. people? Mm. Mm. Okay. There's some interesting points that I just pick up on with you there as well that you, you've, you've highlighted as well. Thanks for sharing that as well. I think mentioned about are we all potentially on the spectrum um i don't think we are um i think we're all uh, neurodiversity is, is a fact um and that's just kind of that we all have think and do act differently we're all diverse we all have diverse brains as well that's just kind of like a scientific fact but i think then when you kind of go beyond that and you say well are we all neurodivergent I'd say no, because then you're diverging from the vast majority, the neuromajority of people. And, and it's how that neurodivergence impacts you and affects you on a day-to-day basis. How does it affect your cognitive mental functions and kind of, you know, how, how does that uh, metamorphosize into kind of how you are and your being and your well-being? You know, all of those different factors means that we're Yes, you could argue that we're all we are we are all neurodiverse, but we're not mm. all neurodivergent as well. And I think some of that is message is, is often <clears throat> lost or maybe misunderstood uh, in the corporate mm. world, particularly as well. So I think yes, I think we've all got diverse minds, absolutely, but we're not all neurodivergent. I think going back to what you're saying there about then understanding how does that then impact on other areas of your life if you're kind of a leader or a coach or a HR leader or or a manager. Mm. How do you then work with people who don't fit into the mold as well? And what does that look like in terms of what you might think is needed by a, a challenging conversation, for example, with someone when actually it could be that you just don't understand that person or you don't mm. understand what's going in their head? What are your thoughts mm. on that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. And again, when you say you don't know what they're thinking and how they're behaving, the challenges I've probably faced are when I've been working with a group of um, people, a team, and I kind of get that kind of um, uh, feeling that there is somebody struggling a little bit more. And, Mm. um, you know, or they tell me that they actually are on the spectrum or they've got Mm. ADHD Mm. and that Mm. might be a reason, uh, you know, for Mm. them not being able Mm. to maybe contain themselves or they sometimes have to speak when maybe it's not working for the rest of of the group as well. Mm. They've got to kind Mm. of interject or interrupt Mm. and Mm. they kind of Mm. know that they've been doing it, um, Mm. but they, they they can't rein that in. And from a coach facilitator, sometimes that contracting piece then with the rest of the group can become quite challenging. And, mm. you know, you, you want to bring out the best as a coach. I want to bring out the best everybody. But I just wonder how I handle situations like that, Mike. Yeah, so I think what, what we're saying there is, and that's a great example. Thank you for sharing as well. I think what we're saying there is we, we perhaps we contract from a neurotypical perspective, don't we? contracting is very neurotypical Mm. so thereby we're excluding neurodivergent people automatically by proxy because we're contracting in a neurotypical way so as as a coach and for the benefit of our listeners um who are listening to this and thinking contracting what the hell is this contracting is is is, is a process between a, 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 a let's call them a coachy and a coach where you agree a fundamental set of principles and boundaries and rules before you actually start that process of coaching as well. Would you say that's a fair summary of, of contracting there, Katie? I think that's really a good summary, yeah. I tend to call it designing the relationship and, and I do yeah. that either on an individual basis or with a team and it's it's those kind of questions of what are you needing and wanting and expecting from me? What am I needing and wanting mm. and expecting mm. from you? What will I do for you? Yeah. What can you do for me? And some of the killer questions are, you know, like, you know, if I've got some feedback for you, how do you want me to give you that feedback? Most mm. people say, tell me as it is. However, mm. again, what I have noticed is that, you know, neurodiverse, divergent people sometimes struggle with you telling them as it is as well. So, you know, I'd like your thoughts on that as well, Mike. Yeah. So I think we've, we've cleared up contracting for people who don't know what contracting is. Um, so, yeah, I think <clears throat> we have to bear in mind that perhaps we're we're not looking at this from an equitable and inclusive place and are we we're looking at this from a very kind of 
this is how we do it this is kind of how it should be done and we're not really considering well what about the needs of others that don't fit into that mold as well so i think perhaps there there's lessons that coaching for example can and leaders and and and, and, mm. and people managers well can learn from this in terms of thinking outside of the box a little bit and thinking about well are these questions <coughs> is this group setting and how i'm positioning this really going to support these people to get the best to get the best out of everybody in this room or am i designing it just for you know nine am i am i designing for the 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 80 percent rather than designing for the 100 percent as well and i think that's important mm. i think the way around that is to involve people in those conversations to, to involve those neurodivergent people in that and say you know these are the sort of questions these are the sort of contracting but what am I doing here that is perhaps not going to include you? What sort of things could we do in there? So you gave there, for example, so from an ADHD perspective, that kind of, uh, and, and this is not broad brushing all ADHD people. I'm ADHD myself as well. And it's, it's such a diverse condition, uh, not condition, because I don't like to call it a condition either, because that makes it sound like it's kind of like something wrong with you almost. And there's nothing wrong with it, but neurodivergence um, as well, you know, how kind of, how do you include someone then the tendency might want to be to get that information out when the others just want to sit back and listen as well so there's some tricky nuances going on 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 there as well and what you have to remember is if someone's wanting to get something out it's probably the reason for that as well because if they can't get that out that's going to be lost for them and if they feel like they're losing that and not being able to be part of that conversation then what conversations do you need to have with that person to enable the other people to feel included, but to enable them to feel included as well? So what tools and strategies need to be in place to support everybody so that everybody feels like they can be part of that conversation? Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a really, you know, tricky one, though, Mike. I really, really do. You know, again, it's, it's bringing a team together, isn't it? And because um, like you say, I get completely that, it comes from a place of them needing to contribute. However, if that isn't kind of, if you've got a team of say 10 people and you've got maybe one or two people that are kind of interjecting in that way, um, what the feedback I've had sometimes, that can be really frustrating for the other people in that group as well. And it's, it's I understand that it is about that accountability and everybody being able to contract, you know, how you're all going to work together it's still something that i've really really struggled with um mm. so any hints and tips again you mm. know that you can give to me i'm sure you'll be helping a lot more coaches as well absolutely it's all about the conversations that you're having with people isn't it ultimately you know it's mm. about it's about involving everybody in those conversations as well and it's finding then if that isn't the right way to do it, well, what is the right way? So that's, that person still feels valued and still feels like they can be part of that conversation. What can you mm. put in place to support that person? Do you think about it? It's almost like having a reasonable adjustment request put in, isn't it? If I'm part of your group, then here's my list of adjustments and accommodations that you can support me with as a leader of that group. You're facilitating that group and that conversation. I say to you, and bear in mind, this is me who knows, you know, broadly speaking, what things I need to be put in place not everybody does either yes, yeah, as well. yeah. so if, if and that comes down to great conversations as well so having conversations to try get the best possible environment for people to feel like again they can contribute and be part of as well but if that person does know that makes your life a lot easier as well and are you as a facilitator as a coach as a leader asking people for what they need in order to succeed as yes, well yeah. so i think for me that's really important yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I definitely ask them what they need and what they want to succeed, you know, and again, my design, the relationship has been highly valued by my clients because it does have them killer questions on around feedback. Or how do you want me to recognize your successes? You know, who's been your best leader and why? So that, you know, we really start to understand what works for them. I guess, you know, from your experience, when you've been in groups and you've really felt that you've needed to get something out, you know how has that worked best maybe for you is what I'm struggling with because again from experience I've had a situation where one person um ended up having to um decide to leave the group because it wasn't mm. the right place and that's mm. the last thing I want really I, I want to understand and mm. conquer this conquer mm. this if that makes sense mm. Mm -hmm. so did you then with that person this, this person who had those challenges as well 
explore with them what didn't work for them to then reflect on, well, what can you do going forward to make sure that you can incorporate changes into the way you facilitate to mitigate some of those things? Well, yeah, uh, of course. Do you know what I mean? We were we checked in and just, you know, made sure that that person had felt valued. We made suggestions mm. to do things mm. another way. My business is called mm. Another Way, so mm. you know we value all our clients mm. Um, mm. to do to work think to work in in a different way. Mm. Um, mm. And also, I, su I suppose sometimes it comes down to not just neurodiversity. Again, you know, those powerful conversations, we've got to consider what kind of place that person is in as well. So mm -hmm. they could be neurodivergent, but there could also be different layers that are on top mm -hmm. again. There could be Absolutely. some mental well-being challenges as well. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it, it adds another layer in, doesn't it, as to how you yeah. handle things as well. And sometimes it's best for, uh, we've found it's best for more individual one-to-one approach mm -hmm. so that they've got exactly. all, all the space because i've had yeah. another client who was mm -hmm. um more and, and again they've shared this with me more on the mm -hmm. spectrum of aspergers and yep. that particular person absolutely owns in on a topic and absolutely yep. knows it 100 yep. percent. but yep. sometimes they get it too fixed on a particular yep. topic then mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's understanding what the needs of the individual are isn't it as well mm. so that then you can best as a facilitator or as a coach or as a leader so you can best support them so like you say a group setting might not be the right setting <clears throat> for that person so they might need more of a tailored um one-to-one -one solution or it might be might need to be they might need to be part of a smaller group whatever that is you know you can't make we don't know because we can't make assumptions about what anyone needs but again it comes back down to that doesn't it about having conversations not making assumptions mm. asking the right questions so then you can, as that facilitator and coach or leader, make sure that you put in place, and it's not a science, you might not always get it right as well. You have to learn from this as well as you're going along. You know, the mistakes will be made on both sides as well, Absolutely. that you can you, you can keep aiming to create the space where someone can, you know, be the best person, be the best version of themselves and to be able to thrive as well. Mm -hmm. But you can only yeah. do that through, through experimentation and through asking questions, I think, as well. I don't think you can go in and have all the answers. I don't think no one does. I don't think a coach or a leader or, or a people manager uh, in this instance always has all the answers. I think they're learning too. So it's important to understand that, you know, you as a facilitator is, is learning and you don't have all the answers, but you're willing to learn and you're willing to understand and you're willing to make adaptions and changes to get it right to support that person. Absolutely. I, I guess it's, um, you know, I, I describe myself as a loving boot coach and that's because I love to support and equally challenge my clients. And again, when we contract, as we've mentioned earlier, I ask them what good support looks like, what good challenge looks like. Um, I guess the bit that I'm looking to develop further on is mm. if you've got somebody that is kind of, you know, where I said before, um, Asperger's, where they're absolutely fixed mm. on a particular mm. area, mm. that can be challenging, you know, mm. from a coaching perspective. You mm. know, when, when I'm kind of giving lots of support of asking mm. them good questions to mm. bring, you know, things into the arena, um, but then when it goes to that kind of challenge, the finger in the ribs, um, they, they, they can sometimes delete that uh, from, from being that challenge. I want to move them out of the comfort zone into mm -hmm. kind of, you know, that that learning zone, into that stretch zone. But I guess, you know, I want to do that with my kid gloves on as well because, you know, I, I do my challenging coaching really well. But mm -hmm. I, there's, there's things again that I can learn if people are neurodiverse. Yeah, I think I think one thing to remember is, and this is no criticism of you or anyone else as well, is 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 that you can't neurotypicalize a neurodivergent person. So yes. we can't just suddenly become neurotypical just because it works better and fits better to be able to do that. That just doesn't mm -hmm. work. We, we're not able to. We can't just kind of change our brain and how our brain functions. Mm. So it's it's how come how can you support and how can we work with you as a neurodivergent person to be able to get to where we're at you know if we're signed up to your 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 program whether that's internally within an organization or whether that's with you through your your business katie then clearly there was an interest somewhere along the line for to be part of that and to be part of that program and interest but i think perhaps somewhere along the line 
there needs to be some clear <coughs> and, and robust conversations around the, the what what is possible, what isn't possible, and also what can we change and what can't we change as yeah. well to make sure that people understand that as well. And it gives they can make then an informed choice, can't they, about kind of how, how whether that's going to work for them. Thank you so much for that, because that is absolutely a golden nugget. And I feel that that'll help a lot of other coaches and leaders that are listening. I love that kind of people can make choice. So, yeah. you know, it isn't always going to my workshops and coaching programs are not going to always suit everybody as yours. No. are not going to always suit absolutely everybody. not. No. And that's even whether people are neurotypical or whether yeah. there's neurodivergence. Yeah. Yeah. So I like the fact that, you know, to go a little bit <clears> deeper <throat> and maybe even put some caveats around that, you know, this isn't for everybody and this Absolutely. is what we include, this is what <clears throat> we don't include. And also this is what it might do for you. This is what it might not do for you. Absolutely. And again, you know, as I always do, am I the right coach for my clients? Are they the right coachee for me? Exactly. I always check in on that. However, I don't know, you've kind of added a, um, yeah, a, a, another golden nugget there, another layer to that. So thanks for that, Mike. Great advice. You're, you're very, no, you're very, you're very welcome. And, you know, I think you worked it out yourself, really. And I think we, <laughs> as coaches, <clears throat> we, we, we always, you know, as a coach, I always start from a position that I might not be the right coach for this person. Mm. As, as well. And it's about kind of those leaving our egos at the door, isn't it, as well? And kind of... Yes. Uh, working with that person-centered approach who's this person in front of me am I the right coach for this person being brave enough to <coughs> put that out on the table and say you know you know I am I the right person for you are you the right person for me because there's no point going forward with that relationship if indeed you're not the, you're not a good fit for each other either and you can mm -hmm. take that and put that into lots of different contexts can't you not just in coaching in terms of like training facilitation in the workplace it could even be a job the job might not be a good fit you could make all the adjustments and accommodations and everything possible still just might not be a good fit actually mm -hmm. you know and if 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 you aren't a good fit it's never going to work is it you know if if the if the fit isn't there and it's not going to work for you it's not going to work for them then there's no point keep on battling against it and trying to kind of fight and put something into something that you know put a proverbial square peg in in a round hole Let's actually focus on where we actually are going to be able to be a good fit with the, with the person or be that in a job or a role. And therefore, then you can start to thrive because then you can make those changes. But you're also a really good fit for that, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. I, I feel something else that our conversation that we're just having here and now has made me realise that possibly I can be overthinking this too much, you know, because... Mm -hmm. Again, you know, it's it's been over the last couple of years, particularly, you know, you know, I'm a fan of LinkedIn and so are you. And there's a lot more kind of noise around neurodivergence and having to tiptoe yeah. around people. And no, absolutely again, not. Absolutely. And that's that's a key yeah. lesson. I think that that's a yes. wonderful lesson because I do okay. feel that I'm not alone as a coach in thinking like that as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let me let me for anyone who's listening now, let me kind of set the record straight on this one. Absolutely, let's not walk on eggshells around people like me, around neurodivergent people. We're human beings. We don't want to be treated differently. We don't want to be made to feel special or different. We've had a gut full of that. We don't want that. We want to be treated as equals. We want to be kind of able to bring our, our full neuro spicy selves to that conversation as well. And we want people to ask us questions, to learn, to be curious to ask those awkward questions that you might have as well. You're not going to offend us. Please ask. Please ask from a genuine, if it's coming from a position of unconditional positive regard and curiosity, so you genuinely, you know, you really want to find out so that you can learn, grow and help and support, then ask those questions. Clearly, if it isn't coming from that position, don't. But if it is coming from that position and you genuinely want to kind of work together in the best possible way and get that fit, that we've talked about and to really support that person to thrive then of course i don't have all the answers and, and here's the big bomb mic drop moment neither the neurodivergent people actually they don't have all the answers either so just because i'm neurodivergent just because i'm adhd autistic or dyslexic or dyscalculic or tourette's or you know you could go across the whole spectrum and, and more here it doesn't mean that we have all the answers. You have to remember that we're on a massive learning curve every day ourselves as well. 
and, and we're learning, we're going out, and and each day it's climbing, you know, climbing up that mountain a little bit further to kind of get to that place where we understand ourselves. So when someone comes to us expecting us to have all the answers, you know, again, mic drop moment, we don't. But equally, we welcome the curiosity because we want people to work with us to find out and explore, be curious, and then we can work together and get the best end possible results. And if you think about that in a workplace context, so a line manager, uh, you know, you're using the coach perspective, but you think about a manager or a HR manager or a leader being frightened of asking the questions, then you're working on assumptions. And we all know what happens when you work on assumptions, right? You get it wrong. And often disastrously, it costs. it's costly both in terms of reputational, in terms of kind of, you know, potentially looking at employment tribunal claims because you've got this so badly wrong because you're looking at working on your entire relationship with this person based on assumptions. It's never going to work. You need to get to know people. You, just like you would anybody else, whether they're neurodivergent or whether neurotypical, you need to get to know someone. You need to get to understand what makes them ticks, what their challenges, what their strengths, what their opportunities, like you would anyone else. You know, we're no different. So please don't think of, mm -hmm. of kind of acting or reacting or interacting with us differently. No, no, yes. no, no. Act, yeah. treat us exactly as you would anybody else. And, and we welcome yeah. that. And we welcome those conversations. Yeah. It's interesting that you said you welcome that because, and again, that's another thing I do in my design, the relationship. I do, um, mm. a, well, I do um, a disc personality profiling. So I really get to know my clients mm. well. Mm. I do a SWOT mm. analysis again. Mm. Um, I have come across... Um, one or two clients that have had kind of neurodiverse, neurodivergent, um, mm -hmm. dif different things. And, differences, differences. Yeah, differences. I like that because, yeah, like you said, I've never labeled. I don't like labeling again. Do Condition you know? is horrible. Yeah. Yes, Condition yes. So, is, is horrible. So, so I've never used. I don't use that word. And when you said no. that, it made me feel very prickly. I yeah, because... I cringed myself when I said it, but you know that that like, shows how we're expected to conf conform to like you know the, the neuro majority, and almost yeah. kind of like self sacrifice who we are and ourselves as well. Yeah, it's interesting, and and again, I talk about you know the empowerment dynamic about you know being able to um you know feel different from being that victim to be open mm. to new solutions new opportunities mm. and you know and mm -hmm. rather than kind of persecuting people be that person that can challenge you know that's that's mm. why i mm. wanted to have that conversation this conversation <laughs> with you today yeah. because we're talking about powerful we're talking about difficult we're talking about challenging yeah. conversations yeah. in in a neurodiverse world um yeah. Again, when you said think about examples, there have been times where I mm. felt that there's been a bit of a fine line because mm. some mm. of the people that have been neurodivergent have maybe mm -hmm. jumped onto what I call, you know, the drama triangle with that as well mm. and maybe might start rescuing themselves. And I think that that kind of can be something that coaches may struggle with as well if that okay. particular person is starting to go to that pity party and again okay. i suppose that's the conversation but i just wanted to get your take on it mike yeah i i, I think we have to be careful with that i really do i think because i think you you know you mentioned there about the drama triangle and the pity party actually i think we talked about earlier on about how we have to be aware and this is from a coaching perspective that there could be lots of different things going on for someone there. They're not just turning up as, as kind of someone who's neurodivergent and looking for pity. I don't think no, most neurodivergent people I know aren't looking for pity, but they have had a history of trauma leading to where they are now as well. So there's lots of different things going on. So it could be there's a blend there of actually, is it coaching that this person needs or is it counselling or, or therapy? Is, is that what's been brought to this conversation? And if, if it is, then you're probably not the right person to be having that conversation with them unless you're a trained counsellor or, or therapist. If it's coaching, then that's a completely different conversation altogether. But I think it's really important, and I know you wanted to ask about this, about coaches working with neurodivergent people. It's really important to understand that you don't wear all of those hats and that you need to understand when it's right to hand off. And if you, if you can smell that and you can sense that and you can taste that and you think you know that that's not the right conversation or you feel way out of your depth having that conversation with someone, then don't have it, you know, don't have that conversation with someone. Suggest to them that actually I don't think I'm the right person for you to be having that conversation with. And have you thought about, you know, speaking to a therapist or a counsellor about some of these issues or challenges that you're having? I can help you with X, Y, Z. And I think that's really where 
the clear contracting is really important, particularly for neurotypical coaches who are looking to work with neurodivergent clients. It's really important to have that robust contracting up place and to make it really clear that your role is as a coach is to assist with X, Y, and Z, but it's not to assist with therapy, counselling, you know, anything in the psychological space or mental health space. You're not there to do that. That's it's, it's out, out above your pay grade. It's it's you're not there to do that. I think it's really important to understand what your limits are as mm. a coach, and you could then transfer that into kind of like a HR leader or or a people leader or or a manager or whatever in the workplace. Same rules apply, I think, as well. So it's really important to understand what your limits are and to set, particularly when you're a divergent people, I think, to set very clear boundaries and to have a very clear communication with someone about what the boundaries are, what the rules are around this relationship as well, so that people understand so that there's no grey areas. Because I think, particularly for me, things that don't work well are like grey areas. And when, when there is no clarity and when things aren't clear and I don't understand that it's left kind of quite open, I think for me that can be quite challenging as well. I need to understand what the boundaries and what the rules are as well so I can operate within that as well. And again, that's not the same for everybody. But I think as a coach looking to work with and expanding to potentially working with neurodivergent clients, it's really important to understand the many different nuances of working with neurodivergent clients. Mm. And, and I love that because in my contract, um, you know, and I kind of, um, I mentor new coaches to do the same in to put in, you know, a paragraph around in no way am I to be conveyed as a counsellor, as a mm. therapist. And, you know, I, I do do um, EFT and I do NLP. Mm. So in, mm. I am a practitioner, so I can work at a deeper level with clients. But mm. I feel that you've made a really good point for maybe newer mm. coaches or leaders to make sure that mm. they're not stepping into a space that could be, mm. you know, dangerous really for them as well. Um, so, so it's good because, you know, obviously this podcast is about having them powerful conversations. Mm. And, and these could be some telltale signs, I suppose, from our conversation mm. that we've just had in mm -hmm. terms of, am I getting it right? Am I not getting it right? One of my clients once said to yeah. me, well, mm. Katie, you're possibly on the spectrum. You know, mm. you you kind of show sometimes some of some mm. of those traits. So I know that I'm a person that likes to interject and, mm. you know, mm. if, if something mm. comes into my head, I sometimes mm. have to let it out as well. So mm. it, it's mm. all interesting, isn't it? How do you mm. have that, mm. that conversation so the power stays kind of, I suppose, equal for both parties? It, it has to be. It has to be an equal relationship at all times. It does Again, it's, that's not even a kind of a, a neurodivergent or neurotypical thing. Equality and you know equity. I think it has to be mm. an equal relationship as well, um, and it does. It boils back down to I think, doesn't it? At all times, having having those powerful conversations, having the powerful conversations and asking the right questions, so that you can then you might again you might not get it right. You know, you have there's 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 a, there's, a, there's a, an understanding that it, it could be it could be clunky, it could be awkward, and you might get things wrong. But I think you have to be brave enough as a, as a leader, as a manager, as a coach to, again, leave your ego at the door and be prepared to get them some things wrong as well to support this person, to get the best mm. possible end outcome for them, ultimately. Mm. You know, that's and, what it's about. And, and that's made me think of something else. When you are contracting as well, that's something that I do say to my clients. I'm not perfect. I'm not always going to get things right. I'm yeah. sure you agree the same. You're not always going to get things right when I don't I don't think you're wrong right, yeah yeah it's, it's about really understanding though how you get that relationship back on track yes. isn't it so that you can yeah so you can keep the power yeah. into that conversation and, and not yeah. feel too far out of your depth because absolutely I want, to, I want to get people into that peak performance zone so yeah. I know we've got to support and challenge them because too much yeah. challenge will send people into a stress zone, which mm. might, again, be different for neurodiverse people. Yeah. You know, that's something that kind of comes up for me. You know, not enough challenge. You're not going to be encouraging people. They're going to go into that inertia apathy. And if we support, support and support somebody in that space, yeah. if we keep them in cosy club, they're also not going to grow. So do you see mm. the, mm. the challenge mm. that I'm, I'm facing? And I'll add a few extra challenges onto it for you as well. And I think particularly, 
Uh, and this goes out to, you know, uh, coaches who are looking to kind of, you know, work with neurodivergent clients, perhaps. And, and, and again, it applies to leaders and managers as well. Understanding that people who are on the spectrum, it's quite a spiky profile as well. So, you know, you, you, you're up and down constantly as well. So, you know, while, while at the moment I could be kind of like top of the world, high energy levels, then after this conversation, I can also hit bottom. And if you really want to get the best out of people, it's understanding how to surf that wave with them as well. So particularly as, as a coach, you know, do you have, and again, this is a question for you as a coach, do you have the right skills to be able to set aside the neurotypical coaching school models of kind of how you work with, with a client to actually put that to one side and say, actually, this is a client-led relationship as well so it's it's a coachy led so actually my 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 client is is kind of like this and it's not going to go like this that conversation as well so do you have the skill set the the uh the toolkit and the mindset to be able to do that as well so you've got to ask yourself questions as well haven't you as a coach as a leader as, as a people lead all the time have i got the right skills have i got some gaps in terms of kind of my knowledge and skills as well and what are you doing to kind of close those gaps as well and recognize that you don't have those skill sets, but what are you doing to close them as well if you're truly committed to your clients, um, you know, performance and end outcomes, but also your own continuing professional and personal development as well. Mm, yeah, and, and again, that's something that I'm passionate about, as you know, Mike, because I'm a coaching mm. supervisor. I've been coaching for 23 mm. years um, mm. as a qualified coaching supervisor. I would, again, reiterate everything you've said. It's a case mm. of, you know, when we look at different supervision models, mm. um, one of them encourages you to think about how your client might be entering that space. And again, mm. you know, mm. that that's elevated that part for me um, mm. without putting a label on it. Again, yep. that, that, that doesn't matter whether you're neurotypical, neurodivergent, mm -hmm. if the same mm -hmm. rules apply. And how are mm. you turning up to that session? What is your relationship like? Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. I encourage anybody in the coaching space to make sure that they're going to supervision. And then they can talk about some of these maybe powerful conversations they've had and, yeah. and learn and put some additional things on their personal development plans as well, which is key. Absolutely. It's a continuous learning journey for all of us, I think, is the kind mm. of... The golden thread that's running throughout this conversation um uh, you know as well and you know I'd, I'd reiterate that you know um neurodivergent people don't have all the answers where we're learning all the time uh, as well but equally we're always willing to share what we know with people if it comes from a place of of, of good intent and wanting to support and, and learn and grow yourself and help us to learn and grow then you know, we're very happy to get into a conversation and to share that and to help each other because we need more allies as well. We need people to actually get up and stand up and fight for us who aren't neurodivergent as well. We need more neurotypical allies supporting us as well and to support where we get to that place of equity and equality as well. So it's not just about us. It's about kind of having good allies that understand, can support and are equally willing to learn and share and grow themselves as well. So, yeah. Mm. And and again, as 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 a coach, you know that hasn't gone through any assessments for neurodiversity. So uh, again, I don't want to put a label on me as being neurotypical because no, I'm no, probably, you mustn't. I'm probably not. Um, yeah, again, yeah. you know, it, it's about coaches feeling comfortable in being able to coach everyone, really, isn't it? Really, in a way, whatever they bring to the party. Um, I probably kind of want to dispel the myth in some in some mm. ways of that does a neurodivergent person need a neurodivergent coach okay. because I think I think that question comes up mm -hmm. a lot in the coaching space yeah. these let's days. Let's do it. Let's tackle it. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I would say it depends. I would say it depends on on the individual and it depends on what their needs are. And equally everything that we've just talked about, it depends if the coach has the right skill set to be able to deal with that as well. So for example, if I'm working with you as, as a coach and I start talking to you about kind of my, you know, some of the things that are happening for me as a neurodivergent person that you might not understand that are affecting the kind of the impact on the coaching relationship or what you perceive is impacting on the coaching relationship, it comes down to that, am I the right person and are we a good fit for each other as well? So I think it depends would be my honest answer on that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't kind of take the view that 
neurodivergent um, and neurotypical can't work together. I think that, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think it depends. It's a person-centered approach, and it's it's about whether that whether you've got the right chemistry, whether you're the right good fit for that person. And equally, as as a coach, am I have I got the right skill set and tool toolkit and mindset to be able to support that person to be the best? Obviously, if I'm neurodivergent and I'm working, I'm a neurodivergent coach like me who works with with, with ADHD and and, and neurospicy professionals uh, as a, as a coach, then I tend to get a lot of my clients are neurodivergent are on the spectrum because they gravitate towards me because I get it right. Mm-hmm. So I get kind of I don't mean I'm them or I'm kind of walking in their shoes because. Being neurodivergent is, is so unique. It's a, such a unique experience for each individual person as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and no two people are the same as well. So no two neurodivergences are the same. Um, so equally, you know, I feel that I, I'm not them, but I get it. And I get kind of some of the challenges. I've got the empathy and I've got that connection with people that perhaps a neurotypical person might not necessarily have. doesn't mean that they won't or that they haven't or that they can't, but equally, if I'm a neurodivergent client looking for a coach, what are some of the things I'm looking for for a good fit for me, as well? So mm. I wouldn't, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out that that you can't work together. I think absolutely you can, but I think there has to be uh, a clear sense of kind of understanding whether you are a good fit for each other. Whether again, whether that's neurodivergent or whether you're neurotypical, you just might not be a good fit for each other. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's suspending that judgment, isn't it, really? And, mm-hmm. and suspending, again, something, you know, a exercise I quite often encourage my clients to do is mm-hmm. just for a day, suspend all your values, your beliefs about yeah. what is going on in the world. And, and, and I tend to aim to come from it from that perception. But what you've just said there, obviously, it makes sense, because it is that mm-hmm. sometimes first seek to understand before you can be understood. And if yeah. some people are following you and they see that you're great because you 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 know your um neurodiversity spicy Neuro, you call it yeah. neuro spicy <laughs> neuro spicy you call it you know chili there uh, chili <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the chili the red hot chili just because you're red hot chili yeah um, yes. Again, it, it, it makes sense, again, because it's, you know, I wouldn't go and coach a football team. Again, yeah. you know, my kind of specialities and coming through the leadership world yeah. and, and right. management, you know, I people like that gravitate towards me. Of course, people are going to gravitate. However, I think what we've kind of ascertained from our conversation is that doesn't need to be the case always, does it? We know a good no. coach doesn't always yeah. need to be the, the same as you in a way. Absolutely. Let me flip it around for you. So, for example, my coaching supervisor, who I'm going to be working with, is neurotypical. Okay. Right? Brilliant. <laughs> I, I, have, I, have, I have the chemistry, I have the connection, and that person has the empathy and the understanding that I need to be able to work with them. And I know because it's tried and tested, I've worked with them before, and we've got that relationship in place, we've got that chemistry in place. I know that I can work with them and still support me to be the best version of me and get to where I get to and have that safe space to have those conversations without non-judgment as well. Mm-hmm. But again, that, that's about whether it's a good fit. So this person was just a really good fit for me, but I took that time to get to know that person and, and, and kind of get to ask them the questions. You know, I asked them, do they think they can work with me as well? And mm-hmm. I kind of set that out on the table about kind of what, you know, kind of how I work and kind of what some of my, challenges and strengths and opportunities as well so there's a two-way thing always i think it's a two-way dialogue it's not just a neurotypical person that has to be the one that, that is expected to give everything and try to find everything out no it's a two-way it's a two-way issue it's a two-way conversation and dialogue at all times between all parties as well so you can both then find what works and what doesn't and if that works great if it doesn't then happy days it's been nice talking to you we'll go on and i'll try to find somebody else that does Right. And and, and so. that would be the same of, you know, a neurotypical to a neurotypical person anyway, wouldn't it? Or yeah. um, to neurodivergent or, yeah. you know, one of Absolutely. each, really. Um, Absolutely. Because you know, our conversation is about how do we have them powerful conversations, isn't it, is, is what I wanted to kind of um, unpick with you today uh, on your podcast, Mike. I think I've learned a lot from you. I think it's having them. I think the lesson, I think, throughout this, I don't know if you'd agree with me, Katie, and I'm jumping in there. My ADHD is completely taking over there. <laughs> Love and it. I am, I've got a badge. I've got a badge. You know, I do have ADHD. 
So do you really? Oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I got a badge to prove it. Um, maybe, so, maybe I need a badge to say I don't know whether I've got it. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I yeah, I think in all in all seriousness, you know, I think the uh, we've talked about a great great many things, haven't we? today but i think for me the thing that runs throughout all this before i completely lose the thread off out of my own mind is it's not it's don't be afraid to ask the question and have the conversation i think not doing that is more dangerous than doing it as well and we've talked about fear i think fear is really an important point that we can't ignore as coaches as, as leaders as, as you know i'm a former hr leader as well former people manager former people leader hr manager i understand the fear that takes place that prevents those conversations taking place but really the, the 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 best thing to do is to have them to avoid then going to a position where you work on assumptions because that never works it never gets the best outcomes for anybody for you or for the individual so don't conquer your fear feel the fear and do it anyway i think is kind of you know to, to kind of shamelessly quote that um, that famous book it's it's really about getting in there, getting stuck in and, and not being afraid to have the conversation. Obviously, always doing it from a position of psychological safety. If you're in, if you're kind of in the workplace and you're in an office full of 100 people, don't just suddenly get up as that. Let's have a conversation about your neurodivergence. You know, that's completely the wrong thing to do. It's about operating from a position of psychological safety and building that trust and rapport. So that, and bear in mind, not everybody walks around with a badge on saying that, that I've got ADHD. A lot of people might just kind of recognize some of the traits and feel or they might they might kind of feel like there's something a little bit different from them from others and things like that but they might not have a diagnosis and things like that not everyone has a diagnosis in fact we know statistically that only a very low percent of people actually have a diagnosis as well so actually it, it is kind of understanding the person and always adopting that person-centered approach asking the questions operating creating the space for psychological safety and then not being afraid to ask those challenging questions and conversations and i'm talking about challenging from a constructive positive position exactly. as well ask, yeah. asking those questions so that you can learn you can support and equally that that person feels that they can trust you and they will open up and it creates that space and where you can both move forward together mm -hmm. and, and that, that that's music to my ears again mac i know i've used that that saying before because i don't feel i need to change anything to be honest i, I feel mm. that you know my contracting is really good and mm -hmm. again from a point of view of being able to raise the tension when when is needed and when to lower the tension i know how to calibrate mm. the tension so just to continue mm. doing that and for example, not to be afraid of if I meet somebody no. out there no. and they have a badge like yours, ADHD, that yeah. I could say, yeah. tell me yeah. more about, you know, your badge, Mike, yeah. and, and really yeah. getting to know yeah. the, the yeah. individual, isn't it? Like it would be typically for any coaching client. So I, I feel that we've kind of conquered throughout this conversation in, in kind of um, summary for me, the powerful yeah. conversations are with neurodivergent people are, are very very typical to neurotypical people just you know don't be afraid contract well for coaches out there and just know maybe when the time is maybe to say you're not the right coach for them or yeah. you know don't feel yeah. sad if they say you're not no. the right coach for them and you know? here's the thing many neurodivergent people say to me that i'm not the right coach for them too right oh that's interesting that's, that's <laughs> absolutely fine because equally, I just might not be a good fit for them. You know, the, we might not, it might not even be about the kind of me as a person. It just might not be that I'm just not the right person for them. You know, and we have to let go of that kind of feeling of kind of just that I need to be needed sort of thing. It doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. It's about, it's ultimately, it's about the, the, the person at the end of the day and what's best for them, right? We should always be operating from a position of, well, what's best for that person. If I'm the best kind of resource to support that person, that's fantastic. If I'm not, that's equally as fantastic as well because they can go on and find a person that is and then they can thrive with that person that is as well. It's been, you know, it's been happy to let that go and being happy to accept that as well. And I think then we can create, a, a, you know, a better world, I think, if we do that as well. And going back to my point as well, if you're not sure about anything, don't be afraid to ask mm -hmm. as well, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, excellent. No, thanks very much. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Good, I, I think good. I've, I think, I think I've, I've kind of unraveled a lot for myself and hope for, for a lot of other coaches as well. Um, yeah, to, to work and have the powerful conversations um, with the neurodivergent individuals.
Yeah, fantastic. It's been great to have you on the uh, on the podcast, Katie. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I know for us, it doesn't feel like we're doing a podcast. It just feels like yeah. we're, 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 having, we're having a conversation. And for the benefit of our listeners, we've had loads of these where we said afterwards, why didn't we just record that? I yeah. wish we'd have recorded that. <laughs> so we've probably had about four hours worth of podcasts before this, before we actually managed to finally drag ourselves on air and actually record it as well. But no, again, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on, Katie. But for the benefit of our listeners, again, how can our listeners connect with you, find out about what you do, get in touch with you if they wanted to, you know, just tell us a little bit, a bit of a, bit of a plug for, for, for Katie Mason and another way coaching oh, and training. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so grateful, obviously, you know, that you're asking me to do this as well, but I'm Katie Mason from another way coaching and training solutions. I am very active on LinkedIn. Uh, that, that's my main social media. I need to branch out a little bit more. And I also have a website as well. So you can find me at www.anotherway.me.uk as well. And um, yeah, it's been such a, such a pleasure just to unravel and just, you know, chat. Uh, as you yeah. said, Mike, it's felt so natural and probably like you say four or five hours into all of this <laughs> yeah you're getting the, you're getting the you're getting the end result here listeners you're getting the end result of, of, of a lot of build-up time to get into this point so uh, we hope that you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we've enjoyed having it anyway so uh, once again thank you katie for joining us on the podcast and uh, thank you to you our listeners for tuning in and be sure to stay tuned and look out for more uh, new episodes coming soon uh, and i hope this has added some real value to to you uh, and to what it is that you do as well. And don't hesitate to get in touch with, with me at BeBrilliantPeople.com or find me on LinkedIn. If there's any questions that you've got about me and what I do, or if you'd like to work with me in terms of the work I do in the corporate and training space around neurodiversity. Equally, if you're a neurodivergent individual and you're looking for a, a professional neurodivergent coach who can help and support you, then get in touch. And lastly, if you're looking for a neurospicy speaker to come along to one of your corporate events, or, or conferences, then get in touch. I, I do bring my own lived experience and neurospiciness along to that as well. So if you're, if you're interested in finding out about my speaking services, then get in touch. But other than that, thank you so much again, Katie. And uh, yeah, I wish you all a, a, a happy onwards journey and, and hope you will listen to us again soon. Bye for now. Yeah, bye everybody.